Hello and welcome to Habe Papam, episode 230, Leo XI. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Habemus Papam. So, when I tell you that today's Pope's name is Leo XI and that his last name is de' Medici, you might think that, you know, he might be related to that not particularly good Pope Leo X, who was also a Medici, and who was also a rather profligate Renaissance prince who wasn't able to meet the challenge of the Protestant Reformation, but squandered his time and his efforts on pleasure and improving his family's personal position. And today's Pope is a great nephew of Pope Leo X, so you might be worried, are we, are we going backwards? Is the reform that's been brought about hitting a brick wall here? But if you paid attention to last week, you would remember that we've met today's Pope before. He ordained last week's Pope to the priesthood and was a friend of St. Philip Neri. So he can't be that bad. In fact, he might be rather great. So let's find out. He was born Alessandro de' Medici on June 2nd, 1536 in Florence. He's a de' Medici, so he's from Florence, of course. He was not from the main branch of the Medicis, the ones who at this time were still running Florence, but he was the grand-nephew of Pope Leo X and a cousin of Cosimo I de' Medici, the Grand Duke of Tuscany and the ruler of Florence at the time. His father died when he was young, and he himself turned to the faith as a young man. He loved to hear the preaching of the Dominican priests in the town. He loved the faith so much that his mother was afraid that he would become a priest and asked her cousin Cosimo to help her stop it from happening. So Cosimo took her under his wing, but wasn't as forceful in preventing young Alessandro from falling more in love with the faith. In 1560, when he was 24 years old, his cousin brought him with him on a trip to Rome, and there another cousin introduced him to St. Philip Neri, who encouraged him in his practice of the faith and quite possibly strengthened his conviction that he was called to be a priest. But he couldn't act on it until six years later when his mother died. Now free from constraints, the 30-year-old Alessandro began studying for the priesthood and was ordained a priest on July 22nd, 1567. A couple of years later, in 1569, Cosimo sent Alessandro to be his personal ambassador to the Pope in Rome. He was presented to Pope St. Pius V. He spent 15 years in this position, and during that time spent in Rome, he grew in his friendship with St. Philip Neri. He hung out a lot at the oratory in Rome and became so close to St. Philip that when Chiesa Nuova, the new church, literally called the new church, it's still called that today, even though it's you know 500 years old, But when Chiesa Nuova, which contains St. Philip's body, was built, it was Alessandro who laid the first stone. But this was a very difficult time to be an ambassador from Tuscany because his cousin was allied with the French. And as we've heard in the past episodes, the papal court for decades will be very pro-Spanish and anti-French. After some time, he grew tired of being the man in the middle of a very dicey political situation. And he managed to get himself appointed the Bishop of Pistoia. And then in 1574, he was appointed the Archbishop of Florence. But unlike many of the popes we've been talking about up to this point, he didn't go back to reside in his diocese, but governed it from Rome. He promoted the decrees of the Council of Trent in other regards. The Council of Trent, if you remember, said that dioceses and bishops have to be resident. But he was it wasn't because of his own lack of strictness or attention to the teaching of the church. It was actually a political situation that prevented him. It wasn't entirely his fault. The new Grand Duke of Tuscany, another cousin, saw Archbishop Alessandro's influence as harmful, did not want him back in the archdiocese, and he tried many times to go, but Pope Gregory XIII would not let him go unless he was welcomed by the Grand Duke, and it wasn't forecoming. His friends, including St. Charles Borromeo, pointed out to him that he should go back and be in his diocese, but there was nothing to do but try, and he wasn't able to succeed. 
In the meantime, in 1583, Pope Gregory XIII appointed him as a cardinal, and finally in 1584, he was able to go to Florence and minister there in person. He spent the next couple of years ministering in Florence before being assigned to a congregation in Rome in 1590 and was required to return there to do full-time work in the Curia. He was later sent as a nuncio to the court of France by Pope Clement VIII in 1596. He was there to help reestablish the relationship between the French court and the church, and in particular to ensure that the new king, Henry IV, was actually a real convert to the faith. If you remember from last episode and the episodes before, he had been a Protestant, but had converted in order to become the king of France. After his return from France, he continued to work to improve that relationship, in part, and this might be a little self-seeking, by pushing for his cousin, Maria de' Medici, to marry the French king. The marriage happened, and Maria helped strengthen Henry's faith, while at the same time, it certainly didn't hurt the prestige of the Medici family. When Pope Clement VIII died in 1605, Cardinal de' Medici's name was floated as a possible candidate by the French-leaning bishops, but he wasn't their first choice. They initially pushed for another friend of St. Philip Neri, Cardinal Cesare Baronius, the great church historian. But the Spanish faction really didn't like Cardinal Baronius, so they were willing to settle for Cardinal de Medici. He was elected Pope on April 1st, 1605, and took the name Leo XI after his great-uncle. Now, the new Pope was not particularly nepotistic. He did not name a nephew as a cardinal right away, and he, he did, in fact, did not allow his family to attend his coronation. He was so strict in that regard. And he wasn't totally dependent upon the French king, Henry IV, who thought he had, you know, he was in a good position. He had gotten his man elected Pope. Pope Leo fairly early on assured the Spanish king, in fact, that he would, wouldn't be playing favorites. He wasn't a conniving Renaissance Medici, only seeking the glory of his family. He was a pious man. He was devoted to prayer, and he was well-formed by St. Philip Neri. But that's all we can really say about his pontificate, because he was elderly and sick when he was elected, and 27 days after his election on April 27, 1605, he died, making his pontificate the ninth shortest in history. He had caught a cold during his procession to the latter and during his coronation, and it did him in. He was buried in St. Peter's Basilica, and he was succeeded by Pope Paul V. But we will talk about him next week. Thank you for listening to Abemus Papam. You can find the rest of the Catholic Link podcast at catholiclink.org or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you and God bless you.